Welcome back to the Dr. Super Coach Podcast. You're on with Chizo. I'm here again with Pistol. Today we're going through Defenders, mate. How are you, legend? Yeah, I'm doing very well, thanks. Can't wait to get into it. Now, uh, just wondering if our, our Ruck Strategy Podcast we did the other day actually helped you at all. Um, actually, it got thrown into chaos because we recorded it right before the Richmond game and then Curvis dominated, so a couple of little changes since then. So uh, a, a little change you're trying to tell me is somehow that Tim English made it to R2. <laughs> uh, not quite, but he was also <laughs> at least somewhat impressive. He was. If he wasn't such a stick figure, you, it'd actually be interesting to see if he get a game. He probably only gets maybe one or two games this year. Don't think pissed. I, I, everyone's getting a little bit excited, including yourself. But I don't want any. I don't want anyone to think that he's just going to come out and just average seventy for the year at R two. No, I generally uh, like the bloke, but no, I can't go in with season with him. I think the DPP on the R three is too valuable. Yeah, awesome. All right, mate, we're going to touch on defenders in this podcast. We'll get to that in a second. I just want to uh, give a shout-out to Curtis Jones here, Pistol. He's the uh, number one, uh, the first donator towards Donut for Donuts for little Harry that we've got today. Um, He's given the first donation for us, so... Round of applause for Curtis. You've done absolutely great. He says to keep going. Uh, if everyone donated one dollar, we'd be laughing. And I think you're yeah, you're absolutely right there, Curtis. So congratulations there, champion. That's a uh, great work, Pistol. Yeah, thanks so much, Curtis. Really appreciate it. And some of the other news that I'm going to touch on here, Pistol, just before we get underway, uh, with uh, just announcing our partnership uh, with the championship uh, Supercoach Champion Ring uh, manufacturers that have partnered up with the Dock, and we're getting a 10% discount to anyone that purchases a Supercoach Ring for their league through our affiliate link, um, the Dock capital T, capital D, that'll get you 10% off. And uh, that's actually, uh, they've also donated the uh, prize for Division 1 for the Dr. Supercoach Leagues, their pistol, which is uh, absolutely great guns from Supercoach um, champion guys there with the rings, mate. Yeah, thanks very much for that. And uh, make sure if you are going to use the code of the Doc with a capital T, capital D, it's one word as well. Yeah, absolutely right. All right, mate, let's uh, get into defenders here, champion. What do you reckon? Yep, let's go. All right, mate, the uh, the first thing I want to touch on overall in Defenders this year is I want to talk about what I'm calling age upside and age downside. Now, we've got the likes of Heath Shaw, Cade Simpson, Matty Boyd, Lee Montagna. They've all been absolutely great fantasy players over their, uh, their stretch, their career. I'm going to put it out there this year that I think there's going to be a little switch up this year, and we're going to see a lot more of the younger, the mid-20, young 20 guys that actually push their way up into the top 10, even the top six. You're looking at guys like Doherty, who's already topping the tree. Um, You're talking about Taylor Adams, who's just outside the top six based on last year's rankings. I'm pretty sure I'm not alone in saying I think he's going to push himself well up into the top six. Uh, you've got Rory Laird, uh, Zach Tui still under 30. He could push his way up. Um, even Jake Lloyd, the news with uh, Heaney being out with glandular fever that's come out today, might even give him a little bit more on to- more time on ball uh, and giving him that little extra boost to push himself into the top 10, the top top six defenders, uh, their pistol. What do you think about this kind of age upside, age downside uh, aspect that I'm kind of approaching my defender selections this year? No, I quite agree with you. I don't think there's many in the... Uh 
age downside, we'll call it column, that are going to be as you know, probably as you said before, the top six defenders uh, of this year. Maybe uh, Shaw. I think Shaw will stay stay up there. And there's always a potential for Hodge. Who knows what he's going to do with the the changing of the guard kind of at Hawthorne. I'm not entirely sure what role he's going to take, but he's always got the potential to go uh, well over 100. Kate Simpson's probably going to drop off a little bit. I don't think it's uh, sustainable, his average from last year. I think he went 106 and he just improved out of nowhere. So, yeah, pro- probably most of these selections I wouldn't touch to start the year and most of them will be a wait and see. The key word that you said there was role when you were talking about Hodge. We don't know the role that he could have. So you've got Lewis, you've got Sam Mitchell out of the team now. What role is Hodge going to get? We know what he can do when he's a a fully-fledged midfielder and selectable as a defender. Just look back 2015. He was the top averaging defender. Yes, he missed a few games, but when he is playing that, that correct role... He is right at the top of the tree. But then when you're looking at guys like James Kelly, um, Gibson, McVeigh, Montagna, Boyd, Burgoyne, these kind of guys, do you really see that next step or even holding their position coming into the following year? Boyd, you've got JJ. Um, you've got Shane Biggs. You've got um, Easton Wood. There's a, a, a lot of ball to go around in that, that back line. And someone that's really, really close to the end of um, his career, do you really want that uh, much uh, importance going into Boyd's hand coming out of the back line when you've got such youngsters? Um, that I think that a few more points are going to drop off a lot of these older guys. You did say Heath Shaw. He's probably the one that I think is... Uh, more likely to hold his position because he he is that number one out of the back line of GWS. They are going to win more games. He's just a beast and he has been for years. But the likes of these older guys that I I just don't see the relevance in them this year. They're great players, Pistol, but I'm just not really sure about the relevance of the older guys. If you were looking at them, who do you think that you would probably be taking other than Shaw and Simpson? Any of them uh, like sparking your interest at all? Uh, I guess I'd have a look at Montagna. He's already had an old man calf injury this preseason, but he's had so many good years of um, you know primo numbers that it's hard to just write him off already. Uh, we've had a, a few questions about Montagna over the preseason, and I've been pretty pretty stern in saying that I wouldn't go near him. He's averaged. Uh, he's is the fifth highest averaging defender based on last year's averages, and you know he's every chance to go there again. But another thing that I, I really want to point out about him is that a lot of people that are inboxing Dr. Supercoach and asking these questions on the page, they're saying, oh, Lee Montagna has gone 110 before. How is he not a, you know, like an instant lock? The reason that he's a defender this year is because of that defender role he had last year when he scored 98. Those 100-plus scores he didn't have in this role. So thinking he's suddenly going to get another boost or get any more ball when the Saints midfield is maturing and kicking off and no longer relying on Jack Stephen, I really don't see, particularly starting with Lee Montagna, would be the only thing that I can see having a benefit because they have so many home Eddie had games in the early run. But I really don't see Monty being a, a top six by the end of the year. I could get burnt by my own words, Pistol, but... I just don't see it happening. No, I agree with everything you said. It sounds spot on. The, the only other thing I want to I want to touch on with uh, Lee Montagna, uh, the AFL prospectus that we touched on last week, Pistol, uh, they've got a new um, 
a, a new section in there where they try and rate similar players. Uh, they 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 basically saying percentage of similarity out of a hundred percent. How similar are two players to one another? <laughs> now, now Luke Parker and Patrick Dangerfield have ninety nine point four percent similarity because they are so similar in the way they play. Their contested possession percentages, their marks, their goals, their inside fifties. Now, I just want to I just want to say. Of the general defenders, the, the fourth and fifth highest similarity between two players is at 88% Lee Montagna to Tommy Sheridan. Now, does, does, does that spark your interest now, Pistol, after how amazing the sheet was last year? Oh, that's just screaming picture Tommy Sheridan, isn't it? <laughs> So basically, uh, are we now saying that Tommy Sheridan's going to average 99 because he plays like Lee Montagna? Oh, it's like last year all over again. <laughs> so that as soon as I read that, I was like, hell no, I'm not going anywhere near Lee Montagna there, mate. <laughs> you figure that works both ways. Ex- yeah, exactly right. Um, all right, mate, we'll jump into the top six now that we're talking about um, who we think um, might drop out. Let's talk about the guys we think might... Uh, can, uh, push themselves up into the top six. I'm going to put it out there straight away, Pistol. I think Doherty's going to be top six. I think Adams is going to be top six. I do think Heath Shaw's going to be top six. And I really like the look of Rory Laird this year, um, not only because of his JLT form, but uh, but also Don Pike came out and said that he imagines that uh, Rory Laird is going to be one of those guys to step up and get more midfield time that year. And... Yes, you know, all coaches say that about pretty much any midfielder they're asked about, but the signs we're seeing from Rory Laird, he is a great ball winner, good contested possession winner, and that's what they need in the midfield at, at Adelaide. Who are probably, uh, you know, your, your fifth and sixth, if you had to take a punt, that would make it into your top six candidates for this year, Pistol? All right, well, I'm going to go a uh, bit of an outside one to start with. I think Jeremy Howe is actually uh, capable... Ooh. Yeah, I think he's capable of being in the top six. Uh, I'll read you some some stats. After round six last year, he averaged 102 once, and round six was when he moved into the back line. He was playing forward before then, so he certainly scored very well for Collingwood across half back flank. And really, the role's not going to change. He's going to still be playing off the half back flank next year, just because Collingwood doesn't have anyone else really. A lot of the people listening will say, you know, that's that's really, really good uh, stats you're pulling up there, Pistol. Glad you wrote that down. I know for a fact that you brought that off the top of your head. <laughs> I did manage to bring that off the top of my head. I think I've read that a couple <laughs> months ago. So <laughs> you, you can't remember where your keys are, but I bet you can tell me what how average from round 15 to round 17 last year. Uh, no, not off <laughs> the top of my head. Who would be your D6 then after, after how? Um, I think it's going to have to be just a stab in the dark. I'll say JJ, just all the signs are there that it's going to improve. He exploded at the beginning of last season, um, pretty much unlike any other that we'd seen out of the back line. And he just needs to have at least a, doesn't have to explode to that extent, but you know, if he goes 96 to 98 and he has that ability, the game winning ability, breaking the lines, doing everything right, the things that super coach <laughs> stands for, um, I think he'll, he'll score big and do well. 
Totally agree with you. He was he was uh, one of the two that I was going to mention in a moment. The thing is that he did have a few injury influence games last year, and he still went mid nineties. He was really on the fridge of the top ten, pushing towards the top six. And as you said, he started last year like a bang. And I can't see why that won't happen again this year, particularly when they're phasing, um, you know, Matty Boyd's to the end of his year, Rob Murphy's to the end of his career. They're going to transition to between, you know, making JJ and these kind of guys one of the more important players coming out of the back line. And I can really see injury-free, I'll put that out there straight away, Pistol, that he is, I reckon he's going to push way up into the top six there, mate. So I totally agree with you. And another one that I already had in the top six, but the news about Isaac Heaney uh, today kind of makes me feel a little bit about going for my stab in the dark, um, and that's Jake Lloyd Pistol. Jake Lloyd, that's an interesting name. Yeah, I think um, Isaac Heaney was going to be taking some more midfield time. We can all agree that, Pistol. Now that he's out with glandular fever, which, as you know, is not something that happens overnight, I think you were saying one of the Collingwood guys missed a year, is that right? Yeah, Broomhead actually had got glandular fever and didn't play for a whole season. So we don't really know how long Heaney's going to be out for. But I think uh, for most people with glandular, it's very random. So some people only affects for a couple of weeks and others it can affect for months. Yeah. So assume that he's out for a little, a, a fair chunk of the season, just for, for argument's sake. That midfield time that he was already going to be getting is now having to be filled by someone else. You've also got the uh, the loss of Tom Mitchell in there that already had to be filled. So you've got two players out of that midfield now that basically leaves it open. Jake Lloyd played a lot more on the wing towards the end of last year, and I don't see it such um, a, a big leap in logic to think that he just starts inside the square rather than on the outside on the wing where he was getting a lot of outside ball. He is a fairly well-contested player. He, he is able to win his own ball, particularly with these these situations coming up. He is maturing. The horse does trust him with the ball in his hand, and I can see him get a few more centre-bounce rotations, a few more touches of the ball, and all he needs to do is increase his average from 85 last year to 95, 96, and he's really, really on that cusp um, of top eight, top six status pistol. Although you can't forget that there is other players competing for that spot, such as Callum Mills and Zach Jones, both who have had big JLT games as well to stake their claim. In the in the first JLT game, Zach Jones scored 114 and Mills with 111. Um, and in the second JLT, JLT game, Mills scored 89 and uh, Zach Jones scored 54, which obviously isn't great. But I think Mills will get um, probably first go in that midfield and he's listed as a defender and that's just over 400k. So especially in draft leagues, I'd, I'd look out for Mills, but... Um, Starting with them is a bit risky, but also could definitely pay off if you select Callum Mills in your side. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think Mills is probably the one that um, is going to get one of the first cracks at going at it. But then you're, you know, you're taking a Jake Lloyd further away from the defence. You're taking Callum Mills further away from the fence. We'll touch on this guy's name a little bit later on. Does that sneakily open a door for a rookie-priced gun in the name of Nick Newman? <laughs> I think it does. And you've read out some Nick Newman stats to me before. Do you happen to have them on hand? I do there, Pistol. Nick Newman. 
He uh, promoted off the, the rookie list last year. Let me just tell you some Neeful stats here, uh, Pistol. I think it's going to be quite surprising. 2015, averaged 24 disposals. 20 games last year, averaging 29 touches, 9 contested possessions, 17 under, uncontested possessions, 5 tackles a game, disposal efficiency of 74%. He like he's just uh, in the kneeful. He's just a gun. Ranking elite for champion data rankings points, disposals, contested possessions, uncontested possessions, marks, intercept marks, intercept possessions, goals, score assists, score involvements, and tackles. He led the competition in for disposals and effective kicks, and was the only player with more than uh, to average more than twenty kicks per game. He's also ranked second in the league for intercept per marks, uh, intercept marks per game. There's literally it's like. It's, it, it's a match made in heaven. But 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 the thing is, <laughs> mate, he plays for Sydney, and we know what horse is like with people that deserve a go. <laughs> I think you're talking of uh, Tom Mitchell when he was absolutely dominating in the NEFL. Um Oh, let's just get him to tag. That'll be a great idea. <laughs> yeah, well, look, he's going to get an opportunity because McVeigh uh, is in doubt or ruled out for round one. I can't remember now. But um, Nick Newman should at least start. I'm not sure how long he'll stay in the team, but he's going to be given the opportunity. And he'll probably, look, he gets a shot if he owns his spot, he'll be in. He could be, with those stats that you read out, as a defender, it's absolutely insane what he could score. If only he scores, if he scores a fraction of that, I think we can expect oh, maybe a 70 average out of him. And a, a, a bottom priced, that is an absolute gold mine. That's, that's what you pray for from a, a midfield rookie these days. Exactly right. All right, mate, let's jump into some structures. They're one of the things that, um, this is something that we've been seeing quite a lot across the teams and how they're differing. Um, it's quite interesting this year that, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out there that I, I think this is a year that the back line shouldn't have any mid prices. That's just my opinion. Guys like KK, even though I think, it, you know, can go 95 and push for top six, I just don't think that it's worth taking up a hole uh, with like a mid-pricer or even a breakout candidate because the top six is such uh, of such a high quality this year in the back line that I don't think, you know, the likes of Zach Jones, Marley Williams, um, Hibbard, Vloston, Hartlett, these guys are actually going to push up high enough, even a Jackson Thurlow, are going to push up to that 96, 97 average that they need to be, you know, top six, top eight top 10 candidates pistol yeah in all my uh, team variations so far i've only gone with a two primo or a three primo backline because the defender rookies are looking better than any other position at this stage but i think we should talk about a breakout candidate who has absolutely dominated in the jlt and that is zach tui it's not something that's come overly surprising to you pistol He's put up 127 and 130, and they are looking to transition him to that, that Corey Enright role out of the back half, trying to get it um, in his hands. He is absolutely elite by foot, and over the last couple years, he's improved his supercoach output and his disposals per game uh, from about 14 per game over uh, the last couple years, and he was just under 21 per game last year. He increased his meters per game uh, from 270 to 380, which is well above average. Uh, his retention possession at 75. His contested possession stayed about the same, but his uncontested possession skyrocketed. 
And that just goes to show that uh, with the Doherty last year to, uh, and uh, Simpson taking those a lot of the, the real deep defense uh, ball, it freed him up a lot to do, to use his speed, to use his elite kicking skills out of the back line. And uh, it's his biggest asset. Uh, he had the fifth highest kicking rating of the 27 general defenders last year to average at least 20 disposals. So he's got a great leg on him. The attacking half... Uh, Carlton last year retained 21%, uh, sorry, 61% of his kicks inside 50, which is the second highest percentage in the AFL. The Cats picked him up for a reason. He is going to be used as that player that is coming off the back half, pushing up the wings, hitting Tommy Hawkins on the chest to kick a goal. They want the ball in his hands, Pistol, and... You know, maybe he's someone that we we could have put as you know our top six calculations. But is this is the question? Is the JLT form a trap? <laughs> well, he actually has dominated in the JLT before, so you could have you can argue every year is is it a trap? But I think with um, Tui, Geelong are a high possession team, and he does, I guess. People say he gets a lot of cheap possessions, but if you're getting the ball in the high possession team and you're using it well, you're going to score well. So he just needs to push his average up maybe to 25 or so or so touches a game, and he's going to use the ball well by foot especially, and it's just going to bring in the points. So he's definitely going to increase his average. I'm not sure he's going to increase his average by enough to be a top six defender, but I can certainly see why some people think so and are taking that risk. Absolutely. And another thing that plays in his favour is that he hasn't missed a game in like five years. He's played 90 games in succession, playing another 22 last year. With the quality of the Geelong outfit around him, it's going to take a lot less pressure off off him that he would have had playing at Carlton and is more likely to to have um, more time to get uh, that that kicking boot going and uh, keeping that disposal efficiency up, if not improving it. So I can can really, really understand people going with him. I think for me, with the structures that you have, I'm not sure that he fits into mine pistol. What do you think? He's not in my team at the moment. I don't think he will be in my team come round one. It's just at that price with the print, you can pay 80k more and get an Adams. You can pay 80k more and get a Laird. So I'm just in my mind, why wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think there, there's less question marks about those guys. There's only positive, um, positive feedback from from what we're hearing from them this season about potentially getting midfield time. And we already know what they can do. They're on the cusp of the top six anyway. I think there's only way is up this year. Um, okay, let's talk about some actual structures. I'm running a three zero zero five menu. I've got three premiums, five rookies. As you said, there's a lot more defender rookies to pick from this year. Fingers crossed they get games. Are you running with a, a three zero zero five, two zero zero five, a mid pricer? What are you doing in there, Pistol? I'm running with two primos and six rookies at this stage, but it is fluctuating between three primos and six rookies. And that obviously um, obviously is going to be dictated by what players are named for round one, obviously. Yes, correct. Okay. So talking about those rookies that you do have, you've obviously got six in the back line. Um, what, uh, just give me a couple that uh, you think um, you've, you've had locked in for a little bit and you're really confident that there's someone that you've locked away and you're, only, yeah, yeah, you're pretty happy that they're going to be there round one. 
Okay, I think the biggest lock in the back line for the rookies is Ed Vickers-Willis. Uh, in the first JLT game for North Melbourne, he scored an 88, which is fantastic for a you know, defender rookie. And in the second one, he scored an 80, which is fantastic. Look, he looks comfortable at AFL level. He's only priced at 123K. I don't see why anyone wouldn't have him in, in their squad to start the year. Um, another North Melbourne teammate being Mitch Hibbert. He's, look, a first JLT game, um, he used the ball terribly, but he did get quite a lot of it. So he only scored 31, which doesn't sound like great. In the second game, he did get a 72, but it was his ball-winning capabilities for a defender that really made me think, yeah, all right, if he's named round one, he's going to be locked away in my side. So you've already got a baseline of two uh, decent decent rookies, and then you've got Tom Stewart for Geelong. Um, he scored 85 in his first JLT game, and he looked relatively comfortable at um, AFL level. I think he was, was he there best and fairest in the VFL? Um, I'm not sure if he, he was their best in Ferris. He was definitely one of the higher performing guys, and that's uh, that's why he was picked so highly in in the uh, the draft last year. Um, because Geelong saw his potential, saw that he was a, a mature body, um, losing a few of those last year, and his performance over the preseason has been so good that they really are thinking, hey, you know, he's earned his round one spot. Yeah, so look, I've picked him. He's only 117k as well. So at this stage, he seems like a good pick. I think most people now have noticed Kurtley Hampton for Adelaide. He's priced at 160k, so he's not quite bargain basement price, but scored 108 in his first JLT game, which is you know fantastic again for a defender, and 66 in his other one. But I think it's you know his uh, bursting speed. He's he kicked a couple of goals. He's really playing either half back flank or half forward flank. Is being used all over the shop. So I think he's a, a pretty much a lock, I'd say, going into round one. So it's already a large handful of rookies, and there's a couple more questionable picks there. Have you got a couple more names written down? I'll, I'll go with a teammate for for Hampton, and that's Andy Otten. He's, he's tw- basically a 28-year-old. Um, he's been around a while. He's had a lot of injury issues, and basically... He plays the same kind of position as a Kyle Cheney and a Kyle Hardigan. So um, he is competing for a spot. He was always a good third tall. He won the Rising Star back in 2009, but he's only ever managed to play one full season since he won the award in 2009. So, you know, over the last two years, he's, he's had, um, again, only combined 24 games in the Sandful with injury um, impacting it. Um, but last year he he got some of that form back. He dominated down back. Uh, he led the competition for disposals, contested possessions, uncontested possessions per game amongst key defenders, not all defenders. And he also rated elite for intercept possessions and above average for intercept marks. Now this is a guy that has averaged 75 in the past, and that was uh, 2013. So he's got a little bit of history um, that he can score well. The f- the fact that he is so cheap this year, all we're worried about is job security. If he if he's locked away as that you know that third uh, key defender, that third tall, um, he he's definitely someone that could put on uh, a fair bit of um, cash uh, early for us in the back line. He could be definitely someone to one, someone to look at. Um, another one that's slightly a little bit more pricey. He was the talk of the town coming across to Carlton during the year uh, during the preseason. Uh, that's Caleb Marchbank, for me, he's slightly too expensive. But if a lot of our rookies aren't named in the backline round one, we may be forced to pay a little bit extra for job security. What do you think? 
He comes in at 236k, and he actually has scored quite well in the JLT uh, matches so far. In his first game, he scored 76, and in the second game, he scored 86. So, decent scoring. Um, Carlton defenders have, as you've noticed, scored pretty well with them coming in the top two last year. It's a friendly role, isn't it? It is a very friendly role. I mean, the ball's going to be in their back line a lot, let's be honest. Uh, I think... Look, if he if there's a problem with the defender rookies come round one, he's going to be a good option. But otherwise, I would be downgrading him to a cheaper rookie and taking all the money and marching it straight to the bank. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, and last year in the Nifal in the games that he did have uh, after he was played by injury, uh, he's an attacking defender. He was averaging 18 disposals a game, 13 uncontested possessions, 6 intercept possessions a game with 2 intercept marks a game. He's basically another perfect key defender for Carlton in the in the respect that he plays the exact game that Doherty does. And, you know, where there's points in the back line, there's going to be a lot of ball in the back line for Carlton. And if we are struggling to, you know, fill some plug some holes in there, you're definitely paying a little bit extra for job security. But, you know, fingers crossed injuries again, he can stay on the park. I Another one, the injuries that we're having our fingers crossed for, Matt Scharenberg pistol. He's one of your boys with the pies, mate. Do you see what? What do you see his job security like? Look, I thought before the JLT that he was definitely in the best twenty-two, no doubt about it. But he has been very poor in this preseason. Um, look, in the first game he scored eighteen, and the second one I think he scored like twenty-one. So. Even if he gets a gig, I'm not even sure what his scoring potential is going to be like. I thought he would be an absolute jet. And when he played, he looked amazing. But uh, this JLT is kind of I'm a bit disappointed, to be honest. I think some other players might uh, jump in ahead of him in the queue and definitely get a gig before him. So I'm kind of staying away. The scores, the role, I'm just it's a big cross for me at this stage if there's better options available, which it's looking like there will be. One of the ones that you're a big fan of put up 73 uh, on the weekend against Adelaide, and that's Zach Guthrie. You, you're a, a big fan of him. You, If you think he's in round one, he's coming straight into your team. I believe you told me that. <laughs> he did score a 91 in the first match as well. So oh. he's priced, priced at 102K, which is super, super coach-friendly. Um, it's definitely, you want these cheap players, especially if they're playing, but he has to be upgraded to the senior list first. I know there's talk of them putting, I think it's Corey Gregson on the long-term injury list. Um, that would be great because then uh, Guthrie's going to get a gig. So if he's named round one, he will be in my side. Yeah, obviously, if he's not named round one, you can't put him in, but yeah, that's not, you can't really hate somebody that's uh, scoring well, price at 102k, can you? The, well, yeah, that's exactly right. The only question they have about him is opportunity. And another thing to put it behind it is how his preseason went, because he's listed at 184 centimetres, but only 69 kilos at nearly 19 years of age. So whether he's going to play consistently to start the year is also an issue. But what isn't an issue is his skills on a footy field. Averaged 17 disposals in the TAC Cup last year. Contested possession a rate of 41, which is amazing uh, for a general defender. Uh, disposal efficiency of 75%, which when you take into consideration that contestant possession rate is awesome. Um, he Last year he rated above average for disposals, contested possessions, intercept marks, intercept possessions, tackles, champion data, rankings points. And he defended the equal sixth most 
most one-on-one contests of any player in the TAC Cup last year, winning uh, 47% of these, the second highest percentage. Again, this is another guy in the back line where the numbers from last year and his form coming into this year is undeniable if there but again, if there's a spot for him to play pistol. Oh, well, look, I can't wait. <laughs> really hope he's named. Uh, talk about another guy. This is another kind of uh, walking the tightrope between rookie and mid-price player or, you know, underpriced, and that's Jackson Thurlow, one of his teammates, coming back from an ACL at around 160, 165K for someone that's going to play more, pre- predominantly as a one-on-one defender. I've seen a few teams with him. What What is your opinion on him this year? I think, as I described before, the mid-prices in the back line, I just can't go it because at his elevated price, there's just not enough wiggle room for him to be a stepping stone to actually generate any cash. Yeah, he's actually listed at 267000 so not, not 167000 um, That's what I meant, which- yeah. Makes a massive difference. I think <laughs> he's got heaps of talent, and I can't wait to watch him in the future, but I don't think this year is the year to pick Jackson Thurlow. Yeah, I had the right numbers in my head. They just didn't come out of my mouth properly. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hope it doesn't affect your round one squad. <laughs> a couple Saints guys that uh, would look good. Ben Long, um, I think he's serving a club-imposed suspension. Um, he's definitely one to keep an eye out on during the year. Could be a good downgrade. Saints also have Bailey Rice, who performed really, really well in the VFL last year. He's another one to keep an eye on. Again, I don't think he's going to be there round one. And the guy that was all the talk at the start of uh, the start of the season last year for the Doggies was Kieran Collins. This year, we're hearing absolutely nothing about him. Yep, I can't believe it. He's meant to take a massive uh, grab as well. You know, he's got all the traits of being a premier fullback, and uh, no, nah, nowhere near the team. Yeah, and the JLT3, he put up 36. So, you know, he, he is that that huge body that's going to try and lock down uh, one of the defenders. You know, if he's named, he could fill a spot for you, but, you know, I don't think there's that fanfare as what there was about him last year, Pistol. Yeah, that's exactly right. I just wanted to touch on uh, something we skimped over. Ben Long's actually suspended for the first two weeks. But I do think that he will play round three, come straight into that same side. Obviously, it's quite a bit big risk, but I'm not sure any of your rookies will have uh, matured by the time he's available to play. So some people might start him if they want to uh, use him as a rolling donut for the first two weeks or play it by ear. I definitely don't think he's a bad selection if you are going to take that route. And secondly, we did skip over Lockie Keefe. Uh, he does come in at 164k. Job security-wise, I think it's quite solid. Scoring potential, I would say no. Um, <laughs> just, look, I know he's... 165K or whatever he's at is pretty much him maxed down in price. He's probably one of the only rookies this year that could actually depreciate <laughs> over his first his first uh, rolling average. No, I, I know you're making a joke, but it's uh, very, very possible. <laughs> uh, he's going to get some forward time, they said, maybe some ruck time. But really, it's hard if you're not a quality, if you're not that high quality player. I mean, I don't think he's it's got. He doesn't have the super coach game behind him to score particularly well. He might have some good games, but as a cash cow, I think there's better options. Yeah, no, I definitely think he's going to play a lot more as a lockdown than anything else this year. All right, mate, that pretty much wraps up the defenders. 
went a little bit long. We got a little bit into it that that time. Uh, I think there's more interest in the defenders uh, this year about which way to go. Um, I still think the the structure that I'm going with with um, three big primos in the back. I'm kind of like hedging my bets by keeping my rookies to five rather than six because I think the chances of having six viable rookies come round one is you know is about as as much chance as Sanderland's going through to round eleven without having a week off. No, I think uh, my structure is mostly coming down to Zach Guthrie. So fingers crossed he's named and I can go really cheap down back so I can uh, bolster the rest of my squad. Uh, good news, mate. Pleasure to have you on the pod again there, Pistol. It's been absolutely great talking to you there, champion. Yeah, thanks for having me. And don't forget, guys, if you enjoyed the uh, podcast, please donate to the charity, uh, Cancer Council. The link will be in the comments. And no donation is too small, except uh, below the minimum amount you can donate. <laughs> All right, Pistol, I'm going to sign off here, champion. Uh, guys, don't forget to uh, find us on iTunes, leave a rating. That makes it easier for other guys and other super coaches to, to find us and uh, listen to the podcast and uh absolutely if you do want to have one of those super coach rings for the winner of your league i can't wait to get mine at the end of the year after knocking over the rest of the admins from dr Supercoach. don't forget to use our affiliate link uh with our promo code the doc all one word capital key t capital d and uh i think i'm about spent pistol <laughs> all right well have a good night all right catch you later community